to the Blue Scott Security Show. This is a place where we discuss security-related topics, challenge conventional thinking, and grow your security knowledge. Today on the show, we're going to be joined by Stephen Wilson. Stephen's going to be helping us with the subject of pen testing. He's going to help you understand what pen testing is, how you can use it, and why you might want to use it to protect your property, your home, even your business. Stephen, hi, welcome. It's been a long time coming, and it'd be uh, it'd be great if you could introduce yourself to everyone. Yeah, no, sure. Thanks. Well, first off, thanks very much for having me, and and, and yes, finally us managing to, to to sort of put this together. Um, so yeah, so my, my name is Steve. Um, by by day, I am a uh, I work for the offensive security team at a, a large British telecommunications firm, um, and outside of work, I, uh, I I help run a little organisation called Moon on a Stick that we we teach people uh, lock picking and sort of physical security things around that at, at UK security conferences. Um, my background is I was a was a research scientist for the MOD uh, out of university, so I, I got a degree in software engineering and then went to work for the MOD uh, initially doing some more defensive uh, blue team type work, um, looking at uh, you know uh, battlefield command and control and command information system type stuff. Uh, but then I, I sidetracked uh, into the, the penetration testing business, um, so doing more of the offensive sort of work, you know, actually hacking into computers, um, you know, breaking in places, stealing stuff. Uh, we're obviously fully with permission and, and legally. Um, I, I wouldn't like to suggest that, that people go and do that side of things. Um, and yeah, and, and these days I, I let's say I, I do a lot of um, sort of offensive work. So again, we we you know we, we hack into things. Uh, we're getting more involved in the physical side. So so you know we'll we'll break into your buildings as well as uh, as hacking into your networks. Um, and obviously the the aim to be you know to highlight what what issues actually exist in the real world, um, demonstrate you know that they are sort of feasible and, and things can be done, um, so that appropriate you know remediation can be done and, and these issues can be fixed or at least you know the, the businesses have an appropriate knowledge of their risks and can manage their risks you know accordingly um, i mean people ask me you know what, what's penetration testing about and well ultimately it feeds into this risk management process of, of you know understanding what your risks are and and you know either mitigating them or accepting them um, according to whatever your your sort of risk appetite is um, so yeah so that is that is how i spend most of my time these days Thanks very much. A really interesting uh, career and occupation. Uh, you sound like you've got an incredible amount of uh, experience as well. What are you seeing in this uh, space now? Are you seeing an uptick in demand or, or is it kind of consistent through your through your career? I mean, from people often talk about there being a skill shortage. There's not enough people. I mean, from from my point of view, you know, we we are we are run off our feet. Um, but I mean, to be fair, that's that's always been the case. You know, I've I've been doing this since um, the very end of the, the late nineties. Um, you know, back then there, there was a handful of people doing this sort of work. Now now there's like hundreds or thousands of them. But the amount of work is only increasing. I mean, obviously, you know, in in a, a sort of highly technological area, technology evolves at a rate of knots. Um, so you know, there's more and more stuff to do. There are more and more specializations um yeah let's say no we're, we're, we're incredibly busy um and, and i can only see that that increasing you know i don't think i mean i used to joke that, that you know working in security is, is a wonderful thing because you know when, when times are, are you know good we, we need security but when times are bad we really need security so, so you know i don't think I'll, I'll i'll ever be short of work um and in fact one of my things i, I do a lot of, sort of mentoring now and, and you know helping train people up and teach people up um with with the idea i mean basically so, so i can get more people in the industry and get me less work to do because uh, I'm, I'm a lazy man by nature um but yeah no let's see i, I think it's it, it's only it's only increasing um and, and i think it's it's only going to 
um, you know, there, there's so much demand for, for work and, and skilled people to do it. Um, but yeah, let's say it's, it's, it's on the up and I, I don't see it stopping anytime soon. And it's interesting that you talk about um, your background, cyber security, and then also moving to kind of physical pen testing. Do you, mm. People talk about these things in, in isolation and independently. Um, what are your thoughts on the interdependency between uh, cybersecurity and physical security and how does that reflect in the services that you deliver? Um, well, I, I mean, the, the trouble is cybersecurity, and I mean, obviously, his, well, actually, no, his, so historically, when, when I first started this game, when I was, I was working at the MOD, uh, the, the Information Warfare Office down the corridor from me, um, you know, they used to get involved in a lot of um, what they called EIT, Advanced Intruder Testing, which was combining, you know, the physical with the cyber. Um, because obviously, I mean, you can, you know, you can spend a huge amount of money on cyber defences and, and often you know, people do and businesses sort of tend to focus on that because, you know, the media will go on about, you know, hackers and, and, and people coming in over the internet. And, and that absolutely is a valid threat. But the thing is, if, if I can sidestep all of those cyber defences, you know, you can spend an inordinate money on some shiny firewall to protect your internet traffic. But, but if it's in a data center with, with nobody guarding it and I can just walk in and get the service behind it, well, well you know, I've completely bypassed that. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, so, so blending the two has always been of, of more interest because if, if you can't get in via one avenue, well, perhaps you can get in via another. And, and you know, ultimately we are about achieving results and, and you know, hitting targets wherever they might be. So, so thankfully these days we can, we can use, you know, whatever avenue is, is the, the most optimal to us to, to get there. So, so I think absolutely that the two of them tie together um, very well. And, and often, you know, I, I think one can be overlooked in, in favor of the other. So certainly if you look on, on the cyber side, um, although to be fair, again, you know, we are seeing more people get more aware of, of sort of red teaming is the term we use for, for sort of these advanced pen tests, which, which, you know, involve both, both the physical and the cyber. Um, and, and again, you know, there seems to be more and more demand for that type of work. Um, but, but I think ultimately, you know, it, it gives you the sort of full picture. You know, if, if you only look at one, well, well, you're going to miss, you know, the, the risks and, and vulnerabilities associated with the other. Um, and it's only by looking at the two of them together that, you know, you sort of get the full picture and can, you know, can defend appropriately. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, they, they, they you know, they, they go hand in hand. I mean, they, I I don't think there's a lot of firms looking, or, or I think there's a growing number, but but again, historically, I think, you know, you, companies have either gone one way or the other, you know, either they're a physical security firm specialising in the physical or they're a cyber firm and specialising in the cyber. Um, what, what I'm seeing now is, is, let's say, we, you know, are using that combined to great effect. And, and I can only see, let's say, more of that sort of work coming um, because, again, because it is so effective. Um, and, and, you know, for, I guess from the customer's point of view, you know, if you can, can sort of liaise with one, one supplier that can do both, well, well, you know, brilliant. You, you save yourself having to, to deal with, you know, sort of multiple suppliers. Um, and it means, you know, we can advise across the board, not just focusing on, on you know, the one area we specialise in. Absolutely. I completely see that. And um, companies, do you feel like businesses out there, individuals are becoming uh, more cyber savvy, more security aware in relation to cyber? And that's that's ultimately going to drive people to the more physical um, approach to breaching security. Are you seeing that now? Yeah, I mean, cer certainly um, thinking about, uh, you know, our, our customers, they, they seem, to, seem to care about both. And I mean, you know, we sort of started doing this internally for our, you know, for, for my employer, um, and now we're, we're branching into more commercial work. Um, and I mean, I think, again, the, the media helps drive stuff, you know, that's let's say 
there's, there's more stuff these days about sort of more more blended tackle, and especially if you start looking at like the social element, you know, all, all the fishing that's going on and, and social engineering that side of things. Um, again, I think people are a lot more aware of. Um, so, so yeah, let's say I, I, I think I, I think it's getting better. Um, I, I think I think people are becoming more aware. And, and again, I mean, I'm I'm constantly you know, banging on about it. I, I talk to anybody who listen um, about about the benefits of doing both. Um, and, and yeah, let's say it, it, it seems to be it seems to be taking hold. Um, I mean, I, I haven't got a crystal ball, um, and I have been wrong in the past. Um, but but like I say, I I think I, I think it's yeah. Let's say I think people are getting the idea, and and especially you know the the more work we do, and the more we can demonstrate you know the actual sort of practical application of this, and and the results we can get. Um, it, it it would be remiss of customers not to take notice. And in your um, in your introduction, you mentioned um, some more covert methods of entry that you you use kind of lock picking and things like that is, is there is there any reason behind that are you mm. assessing that people have uh, more greater skills nowadays um that they can that they can defeat uh more complicated locks by these methods is there any reason behind that Mm, well, I, th- I think historically, um, I think locksmiths have been very good at covering up, you know, how bad locks can be. I mean, it's interesting. Um, so, so I, I sort of hang around with a lot of people who do what, what they refer to as lock sport. You know, they they, they do this stuff competitively. They have competitions. They, they look at some incredibly high security locks. Um, Somebody was making the point that sort of during lockdown, the number of people practicing this sort of stuff has gone through the roof because it's a very low, you know, like sort of cost of entry. You know, you can buy some cheap picks and some cheap locks and be, be picking, you know, locks open within a day or two. Um, but a lot of people, you know, seem to find the, the sort of intellectual challenge of it interesting. And I mean, I, I got into it as it's, you know, it's puzzles, it's puzzle solving. You know, a lock is just a little small mechanical machine and, and with appropriate practice and skill and understanding of how the thing works, you know, you can you can make it open without a key. But but I guess that really that's no different than the cyber side of things. You know, I understand how yeah. software works, therefore I understand how you can manipulate it to try and do what, what you want. Um, but yeah, let's say lock picking and lock sport. It, it, I mean, we let's say we do it at conferences. We've we've taught it at conferences God, for donkey's years now. And again, there's there's you know people who have that interest in the cyber side of stuff already. Well, it's again, it's we like breaking you know security for fun. Here's a thing we can break that's physical rather than electronic. Um, so it, it's the same sort of mindset. Um, and yeah, and I mean, let's say you know, we, to be fair, we don't do that much sort of lock picking during engagements. You know, we, I mean, typically, you know, because because locks can be really difficult to open. You know, especially if you're stressed, especially if it's the middle of the night and it's raining and you're outside in the wind, rain and whatever. Um, but but again, other techniques for getting round locks, you know, finding ways of bypassing them, or or you know, other other sort of tricks. Um, again, we can we can use to great effect. Um, I mean, again, you can sort of looking at the physical side of things. I guess there's there's two sort of streams. Let's say there's there's the the, the sort of technical exploitation, which is the sort of stuff I like. If, if you know, there's a machine and I want to make it do what I want to let me in, versus the, the sort of social engineering. But I'm going to come along, you know, dressed up as somebody else, pretending to be somebody I'm not, and talk my way in. Um, let's say the, the, the sort of two ways I look at it, and I'm I'm definitely a fan of the you know leave me with a little machine I can play with and, and not having to talk to people because um, I'm, I'm not a people person. Um, but, but like I say, it's, you yeah, know, it, that, that sort of stuff. And again, it, it's it's something that I think has historically, um, like people have been really good at not sharing the information about. Um, whereas I think, you know, say with, with the advent of the internet, like YouTube, you know, you can go and, and because I do spend days or hours, um, you know, looking at, at, at people defeating some incredibly high security locks. And, and, you know, the level of skill on display is, you know, is impressive. And I, I don't pretend to be the 
best lock picker in the world. You know, I mean, I, I make the point when I'm teaching people that, you know, I understand the theory. What I don't have is the practice because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting old, I'm getting arthritic. Um, but yeah, let's say no, no, defeat, defeating locks is, um, let's say we, we do it a lot more for fun outside of work than I actually really sort of pick locks at work. Um, but again, it, it does absolutely, you know, it has absolutely come in very, very handy. There's jobs that we wouldn't have been able to do had we not been able to get through, um, get through locks. Um, and and does the the ability to defeat a, a lock by, for example, hacking it? I mean, does that really kind of emphasise for you the importance of layered security? You know, the multiple layers of security to to slow someone down to enable them to be detected. Yeah, absolutely. De- defense in depth is, of course, the, the term we like to use because that there is no perfect lock. That there is no lock that will keep somebody out forever it will slow you down but then if that's every security control right you know the reason we have segmented networks so that like, yeah you might get into one bit but then it's going to take you time to get somewhere else and hopefully that's long enough that the people monitoring you know can stop you getting where you're going you know that there is no there is no magical security perfect solution for anything um, ultimately it's about layering stuff in such a way and designing stuff in such a way um, that, that you make it you know, impractical. Um, so yeah, yes. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I can think of locks that, that you know have been. Oh, these are unpickable, but but only until somebody works out a way to pick them. Um, and okay, initially that might only be one or two people, and then the techniques get well known. I mean, like Abloy locks, distortion locks are a prime example. Um, you know, for a long time thought to be um, virtually impossible to open. Now there's people on the internet opening them left, right, and centre. Because again, over time, you know, the techniques have become known, the tooling has become known, and and people can you know tinker around in their own workshops and make tools to open these things with sufficient practice. Um, so yeah, let's say no, it's, it's, it's absolutely defense in depth. Um, that, that to me is what, you know, what security is about. Let's say it's, it's just enough things in the way to slow people down for long enough that your sort of defensive stuff comes into play. Um, and I think, I think that's a, that's a real takeaway, I think for people, well, for businesses, but also for those uh, listening here, thinking about the security of their home is, is that layered construct and, and and also mm. <laughs> knowing that people can defeat locks in the ways you're speaking about and, and experts like you being able to inform them, you know, should they regularly change their locks? Because they're not high value items. They're, they're not really expensive to change, are they? No, no. Uh, I mean, again, I, I often, because again, it's something that comes up, you know, all the time when we're doing conferences and stuff. Of, of people are like, oh, you know, should I put this this ridiculously expensive, you know, ultra high security lock on my house? And it's like, well, it's probably it's probably not really worth it. You know, find find the cheapest lock that your insurer will accept. So presumably something with a you know like British um, kite mark on it. Um, and, and maybe think about getting a big dog, um, because the trouble is, you, if you put a stupidly expensive lock on your house, well, I mean, because this is this is the difference between me and an actual criminal, right? Is that like a burglar's not going to spend like two and a half hours picking the lock on your front door? They're going to boot your front door in, or smash a window, or cut a hole in the roof and climb through that. Um, you know, or if you put a ridiculously expensive lock on your door, well, you're advertising to me that you might have something worth protecting. Um, and this, but the other thing is, it's like unless you've you know like reinforce the door first, spend money, you know protecting the things that, that, that you know a burglar is likely to do um because it because it's let's say they're not they're not going to spend the time to pick a lock that, that might take them you know a, a chunk of time when a boot to the door and they're they're through i mean i saw i saw a thing online the other day of um like the, the burning through upvc doors so, you know just turn up the blowtorch yeah. and just cut a hole in the upvc because it's you know it's quicker than and you know attacking it in another way 
Um, but again, it's, 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 it depends. Are you looking at sort of, you know, covert entry or overt entry? Uh, a lot of the time, because of the nature of what we do, you know, we want to get in and out without anybody knowing about it. Whereas if I don't care, if you know that you've been robbed, well, I say, I'll, you know, I'll drill a lock, I'll snap a lock, I'll pull a lock. Um, it, it's, it might be a bit noisier, but it's definitely going to be quicker. Um, but again, the whole the whole defence in depth model applies. So let's say you know I have I have fairly bad locks on my house, but I've got a massive dog. Um, so you know if you if you get through one, well the dog will slow you down until I wake up. I completely agree, and it's great to uh, start people thinking about where do I live? Will people care about being mm. noisy? Will they resort to being quiet? Will they go noisy? We see the the police now, the tactics they're using to get through UPVC doors, you know, using the big uh, cutting tools, just going straight down the middle and, and the days of the enforcer and the hoolie bar are kind of mm. behind them. So it's really interesting to just follow and just be informed on how that stuff changes. Um, back to the pen testing then, the, the, the company you're kind of working for on a full-time basis, they're obviously really bought into the, the value of mm. pen testing. What what have they seen from that? Kind of, have you got any great stories where you've seen pen testing really prove its worth? Um, I mean, again, it's it's over over the, the twenty odd years I've been doing it. I mean, well, because I'm obviously I'm I'm biased because I've been involved in the industry. Um, but you know, but we have. I mean, thinking back. So, so, so when I, I very first got into this field, obviously it was working for the MOD, but the team I worked for actually had a, a very commercial focus because our management at the time realised that, that, like you know, banks and stuff have more money uh, than the MOD might have freely available, and, and often the day rates were higher. So, I mean, again, you know, we have, and I, I used to joke, you know, what do you do for a living? Oh, I, I break into banks. Um, but again, you know, we have got access to systems um, whereby we could have, you know, caused so much damage, um, you know, effectively put people out of business um, because because there were such gaping security holes that they had no idea about. Um, because again, often the stuff we're looking for um, is, is is you know, unless you're a specialist in the area. Um, is, is stuff that you're not going to be aware of or you're not going to realise is, is a problem or you're not going to have the time and the resources and the budget to adequately, um, you know, defend against yourself or, or, or even understand is there. So, it's, you know, we always came in as a sort of specialist. You know, this is what we do day to day. We understand this stuff at a ridiculously low level and we can help, you know, you understand what these problems are. Um, and again, let's say it's, it's, you know, leading into their, their sort of risk management process. I mean, I've, I've had, I can only think of one customer going back quite a while, certainly before I was at my current employer, where, where we were basically like, look, you need to basically get rid of all your staff, turn all this, this system off and, and rebuild it from the ground up because it is so fundamentally broken that, that you know, it, it, it's just not fit for purpose. Um, but again, you know, it, it's, we, we have a very high success rate. Um, it's very rare for us not to get where we're going, not to, you know, demon uh, demonstrably sort of show that, you know, these issues exist. Um, and again, it, it, it's scary the level you can get to, you know, I mean, often we end up with more access and greater access than the administrators who are running these systems. And, and often we have more knowledge about how they hang together, because, you know, especially if you're talking about large organisations, you know, you might have like, you know, a team that runs the servers, a team that runs the firewalls, a team that runs the networks, you know, somebody responsible for the applications. And, and often they sit in their own little bubbles and sort of don't see the bigger picture. And obviously we are looking at this holistically, if, if I hate that word, but there you go. Yeah, and let's say we are looking at, you know, the, the overall thing. Um, 
so yeah yeah let's say we've we we have been in positions whereby we we could have put people out of business um i mean the worry the worrying thing is often you know those people we go and look at, you know, might have been in that state for, for sort of five years, 10 years, you know, for a long time. Um, and, and say often, you know, you, you have to sort of wonder, well, you know, who else has been looking at this? Um, because again, so often we go in at such a level whereby, you know, we're bypassing logging systems, we're bypassing alerting systems. Um, yeah, let's say you know, if, if, if you know what you're doing, um, and the trouble is there's an ever-increasing number of people. I mean, you know, if I think back to when I started this, you know, information was hard to come by. Uh, there was a very small number of people doing it. Um, again, they, they, a lot of the time they didn't like to shout about what they were up to or what holes they found or what vulnerabilities there were. Um, whereas now, you know, there are so many people researching this, so many people working in the industry, so many people looking at stuff. And of course, the amount of stuff to look at has grown so much as well. Um, let's say, you know, when I, when I started, it was basically, you, you, you know, you, you studied sort of infrastructure hacking because that's what there was. And then these web application things came along, so that was a specialization. But now if you look at, you know, you've got, got mobile apps, you've got, you know, so many different programming languages, um, the whole cloud thing, which, which again, messes with my head because, you know, I'm, I'm like an old MOD person. So I like, you know, a secure perimeter and a data center with all my stuff in there, um, which is not how the modern world works. Uh, you know, virtualization does my head in because, you know, no, I want my own dedicated hardware doing just stuff. I don't want to be sharing it on like Amazon's cloud or you know, Microsoft's cloud or, um, but again, these are, you know, this is the real world we live in. Um, and again, you only have to, you know, look at the media for the number of things that are being breached things that are being hacked, things that are being leaked. Um, again, it's, you know, the, the sort of the mod, God, I'm going to sound old, the modern world we live in now, you know, with my old sort of security head on from, from 20 years ago, um, is a staggeringly insecure place. Um, and that's not to say there aren't people, you know, doing good work and technologies to, to help with this stuff. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's an arms race. You know, somebody develops new technology, someone works out how to breach it, so then they fix it to stop that, but then somebody works out a way around it. Um, and it's both it's both the blessing and the curse of this career. It's like I will never know everything. I mean, I, I used to, when I first started, I used to have a notebook, and every time I came across some technology that I didn't really know about, I'd make a note of like, oh, I must look into that at some point. And when I got to the point where I had six or seven notebooks full of stuff I'd never looked into, I, I stopped keeping notes. Um, so it's like, say, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll never know everything, which which is great because it means there's always new stuff to learn. And, you know, I like, I like no, learning new stuff. But again, I'm never going to be able to sit back and think, ah, right, I, I know it all now. I'm done. Um, so yeah. you're clearly a very knowledgeable guy. I mean, we're, we're chatting through this stuff. You, you, you've got a wide range of experience, but also real detailed knowledge in, in certain areas. When you're doing pen testing, how... How do you relate your skill set to that of the person who may be trying to breach the place you're doing pen testing for? So that risk analysis or the threat act to the motivation behind the the potential vulnerabilities does that play a, a big part too? Yeah, well, I mean, we we you know we we try and keep abreast of what what sort of the bad guys are up to, although often it's difficult to work out who the bad guys are. Um, but I mean, but it, and it's very much a team thing. You know, I, I, I know a few little bits about a few little bits. Um, I mean, I always used to joke, I, you know, my, my like if, advice, if you want a good career is surround yourself with amazing people and, and just, you know, bask in the glow of their reflected glory. Because um, I mean, again, the social engineering thing is a you know, prime example of this. I, I understand it. I know how it works. I, I can sort of do it a bit, but, but 
you know, I have colleagues who are far better at that sort of thing, far more specialised, far more likely to be successful than I am. Um, but ultimately, you know, we, we work as a team. I, I mean, again, it's, um, what's it, one of the anonymous tagline, you know, like, like all of us are worse than any of us. Um, you know, to, as, as a group together, we can achieve things that there's absolutely no way any of us could on, a, on an individual basis. But again, it's, it's sort of backed up with, with, you know, continuous learning, continuous research, um, trying to keep abreast of, of what's going on in the real world, looking, like I say, looking, looking at the media, looking at the news, seeing, seeing what's happening. Um, and, and again, it's, it, can be, it can be overwhelming at times because there is so much going on out there. Um, but yeah, but let's say working, working for a good team and, and having a, you know, a decent group of people around you. Um, like I say, I've, I've done very well out of. Um, and, you know, and they think I'm really good at my bits and, and arguably I might be. And, and you know, let's say I think they're, they're amazing at theirs because they do stuff that I either couldn't or wouldn't want to do. Um, but it's, it's the combination of all those skills together. Um, and again, you know, a typical job, we will, you know, we'll have people doing sort of OSINT first, looking, you know, open source intelligence gathering, looking at what information is available. You know, I, I might be looking at physical bits, you know, we might have other people, let's say, looking at the social engineering side of things, other people looking at, you know, the network side of stuff. Um, but again, it's it's combining all that together and, and driving it forward in the right direction that um, that gets us the results that we do get. And it's, it's interesting, a bit, I know people will be listening to this thinking, crikey, there's, there's people out there who can just get into my house at the drop of a hat. And I guess my my kind of point was that um, there's, there's people sat there at home who want, who want to, they want to live in safety, but they're, they're not going to necessarily come up against uh, the type of uh, people with a skill set you do. So that, that the risk analysis is really quite important, isn't it? Who is the person who's going to try and break into my home is it the average criminal or, or is it the state actor mm, what what are your threats and i mean again to be fair you know like if you've got mossad after you well well good luck um because because mossad's gonna mossad right um but again you know most people i'm guessing aren't likely to to to, to have annoyed state powers um or, or have them interested um in, in them so, so again yeah yeah you know what 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 realistically for the area you live in you know what are the threats is it is it a place where where there are you know instances burglary or, or isn't it um and yeah 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 see i mean you, you know you can find all that sort of information out online um but but yeah understanding what 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 is it you're actually defending against because again defending against you know a, a burglar who just wants to you know kick your front door in and nick the video or i guess the blu-ray player these days or your plasma screen or whatever um you know versus you know a dedicated adversary who is going to spend days weeks or months you know working out you know, like what what you do, where you go, pattern of life. Um, again, it's 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 a very different thing, isn't it? Um, but again, I would hope that, that you know most people aren't going to have. Well, well, certainly, yeah. Like, most people aren't going to have, you know, people like me um, or my kind um, going after them. But again, if, if they do, it's you know it is worrying because, like I say, that that whole security thing. I mean, yes, you could turn your house into Fort Knox. And, and spend a huge amount of money doing so, but but again, if if the threat isn't realistic, then then, then why would you spend the, the time and money doing it? Um, and what is your and what is your quality of life ultimately mm, as well? Yep. Where do you see where do you see pen testing fitting in in terms of um, you 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 may think that um, you have some security vulnerabilities, uh, you may want to improve your security. Whereabouts in it down the line do you see? pen testing coming in because i i believe people see it as a 
um, as a first step sometimes to assessing security. But in your in your opinion, where do you see pen testing fitting in? No, well, okay, I think the trouble is that a lot of people seem to jump like, oh, you know, what, what's the latest thing? What are the latest buzzwords? What's going on? So sort of from, from my perspective, you know, the, the sort of services we can and do deliver vary from, you know, sort of almost paper-based audit through to sort of basic vulnerability assessment of just, you know, have a quick look and try and work out where you think there might be issues through to more full-on pen testing of you know can you actually demonstrate you know um, exploiting those vulnerabilities then through into the the sort of red team more advanced longer term physical and, and cyber engagement type stuff and the trouble is a lot of people seem to jump oh the latest buzzwords are red teaming red teaming we want a red teaming and it's, but if, if you haven't gone through all the sort of previous steps you know you're, you're gonna well if you're in for a horrible shock because you know we will be absolutely all over you like a rash um but like i say you, you kind of need to work through the process first so, so you know no, have some have some basic audit stuff done you know have, have things thought over um you know, then then do some initial vulnerability checking. Lock that stuff down. You know, anything that comes up through that, you know, gets sorted. Then then look at the pen testing. Then look at the red teaming. I mean, the other thing is um, when in the sort of like like uh, life cycle it happens. Um, I mean, far too often it's it's been the bane of my life. Uh, we used to refer to them as, as ticking the box pen tests. You know, so some system will have been built, and and the person building it has a thing in their their life cycle document that says, oh, you've got to have this pen tested before you can go live. So that right, so a week before we go live, we'll get these testers in, because that's when they're doing you know sort of user acceptance testing and all that sort of stuff. Um, but from my point of view, it's like, no, 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 you, you want us in like at the design stages when you're working out what you're going to do. Because the trouble is, if, if you go live in a week and I turn up and absolutely run rampant over everything and tell you it's been horribly designed and poorly built, you know, to try and fix that in, in you know, that short time. And again, it's, I mean, it used to happen all the time when we worked for banks back in the day. They would be like, you know, we've got this go live date for the end of the month. You know, can you come in and do a test and then can you tell us whether we can go live or not? And I, I used to actually take a kind of perverse pleasure in, in saying, I'm like, no, no, you can't go live. This you know, multi-million pound project you've got, no, it's not, you've not done it right. Um, so again, like I say, I think, I think there's, people need to understand that there are sort of levels of it and you don't want to go for the highest level first. You want, you want to work your way up to that. But also, again, you know, you want people who understand this stuff in the, the early stages of planning and design so that you make sure you kind of bake it in from the beginning rather than trying to, you know, scrabble to like retrofit it at the end. Because again, it's, you know, it's, it's wasted time and effort and that's money, right? Um, so yeah, let's say, no, no, getting, getting people in at the beginning and, and understanding there is a range of stuff to go through, not just like, oh, what's the latest buzzword? What's, what's the latest thing that we could get done? And that, and that makes complete, it makes complete sense to me in terms of, you know, recommending to anyone listening to this, where do they want to start? A lot of people, attempted to um, take things on themselves and start a process uh, on their own. But I think getting an expert in uh, us, yourself, early on in that process is going to give them a better chance of achieving uh, what they want uh, from their security and probably a better price, despite the fact that it may seem like, well, I'm getting an expert in initially, that's going to cost me money. Let's see, it's, it's, you know, I would... And again, again, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat somewhat biased by the fact that I've worked as a consultant for, you know, for a long time. Um, but yeah, let's like say you know, I've I've seen too many 
projects that, that you know have ended up with this massive expense at the end that could have been avoided had they only got people in and I mean, it, it, it's always nice when you get a customer right too who's like um, you know can can you come in we've got this design thing going we, we need you know just somebody to, to sort of give it the once over and make sure we're, we're thinking in the right lines because again it, it you know for, for the sake of a, a small amount of cost early on um you know it, it saves a, a huge amount of cost later um I think that's brilliant. I think you've you've covered some incredible um, incredible benefits then of what you've done. Really, really enlightened, um, really enlightened me as well, and, and helped me understand better, uh, and hopefully the audience understand better uh, what what you do for a living and, and what can be done out there to to help them with with their security. You know, it's it's a complex and ever evolving field. Um, I mean, and again, I'm you know I'm I'm very keen on, on on sort of educating people, you know, helping helping teach people about you know what it is we do because I say for a long time you know it, it was it was sort of a secret art and there's like all oh, these these scary hacker types out there and it's like well they they're just people and they're, these are the sort of techniques they're using and these are the sort of things they're looking for and these are what they're doing with them um, and let's like say ultimately it's about you know it's about understanding what goes on, understanding how things work, um, and certainly from my point of view you know the, the the offensive stuff is about understanding you know how I can. Make Make things do what I want them to do, rather than what the person who originally designed the system intended. You know, be that be that a lock that I want to open without a key, or a bit of software that I want to, you know, remotely take control of, or a network I want to remotely take control of. Um, and, and again, you know, it, it's it's about sort of thought and understanding, and and then research. You know, my let's say my my first job out of university was for a, a military research establishment, um, and I think I think that set me up, you know, very well for, for later on in life. And I mean, I'm I'm very lucky to have ended up where I am. Again, again I I talk to a lot of people, you know, we, we do a lot of stuff at universities, talk to a lot of students and stuff, who are always after career advice. And and to be fair, this this kind of happened to be my my mistake. I didn't plan any of this, um, so it it can often be be you know sort of difficult to suggest to people what to do. But like I say, if if people are keen on learning, you know, there's there's so much information out there these days compared with what there was. Um, so it's just a case of yeah, you know, sort of get get stuck in. Find somebody who knows what they're doing. Find somebody who can you know help you with it because it is a it is a complex field. And, and you know, I don't pretend to understand um, you know everything um, about everything. Um, but yeah, let's say if, if you know if people want to learn, and I would I would suggest that it's you know, it's a fascinating topic. Um, and, and let's say from a, a sort of career point of view, let's say you know there is there is such demand for this sort of stuff. And and you know I, mean, I, I I've often joked that you know if you know you find find something you know so I, I don't really work. I get paid to play around with stuff, um, which is a, again is a very you know nice position to be in. Um, but I don't see that I don't see that dropping off anytime soon. Let's see, I I, I think um, the, the amount of things I've got on my to do list, my my research pile, um, is going to keep me busy uh, certainly until retirement. Um, and yeah, and let's say if, if people are interested, I would I would definitely recommend they get involved. Fantastic, Stephen. It's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, thanks for sharing your time with uh, with me today. And I look forward to catching up with you very soon. No, well, well thank you again for having me. And, and yeah, a happy new year to you and, and all your listeners. Um, yeah, I, I wish you the best moving forward. Thank you.